0: happy 4th of July weekend, and it's great to see so many people here. You know, you don't know on a weekend like this whether people will come or not, but you're all here, and uh, great to worship with you today, and uh, we are looking forward to this time together. Uh, I want to start out today um, by praying, just take a, a moment just to kind of set our hearts and uh, ask the Lord to work in us today, but also, you know, just in recognizing what today means for us. I mean, we celebrate the 4th of July and, you know, the freedom and independence that, that we enjoy here as Americans. Uh, my, my buddy, Altine, uh lives in Albania. Uh, we have a church there that we support, uh, one of our ministry partners, he sent me an email this weekend and just said hey happy 4th of July you know my friend and uh, it's always very humbling uh, if you've ever gone outside of the US before maybe you've experienced this but in going to a place like Albania like they, they look at you like you're, I mean, they treat you like royalty. They're so excited to talk to you. They can't believe that you're an American and you'll come to a place like Albania. It's very humbling. Uh, Cause you know, you're like, we don't, I don't deserve any of this whatsoever. But I, I think what Altine and others sometimes recognize is that we enjoy some freedoms uh, that they don't necessarily enjoy, and even as church leaders, you know, for for Altine to recognize, like there there's an advantage that you have, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. But uh, I, I want to pray today and and just give the Lord thank you, uh, a thanks because you know there are many freedoms that we enjoy, and uh, you know the privilege of being able to worship in a place like this today. But if you've been following along in our Bible reading plan, chances are you just finished up Lamentations. And I don't think it's any coincidence, you know, to even read the difficulty, the, the anguish, the, the hurt um, that, you know, the writer of Lamentations is expressing and seeing what has happened uh, in Israel in this particular case and just a really a refocused attention back on God, turning back to God. And, and I think that's a good reminder for us too. I mean, it's, it's especially been a, a tough couple of years. You and we see a lot of pain and hurt and and, and, and lack of unity in our country today. And as Christians, we know that like we need the Lord. like We need the Lord in our lives, and we need the Lord working through our church uh, so that we can be a city on a hill, that we can bring the light and hope of Jesus Christ uh, to the people the Lord has called us to. So let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and uh, just invite the Lord to, to work in us today. Father, we do thank you for everything that we enjoy uh, as followers of Jesus here in America and certainly for our church. Church. and uh, we thank you Lord for the men and women that have served for hundreds of years now uh, for the sake of this country we thank you for men and women that serve in public service every day uh, we thank you Lord that we have a, a place that we can worship and the freedom that we have to to worship Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we know Lord We need to be reminded of this, but we know as followers of Jesus that that comes from you, uh, that we've received that from you and we are grateful for that. And we also recognize uh, the pain and hurt and lack of unity that exists here today and and in our country. And we know what sin, we see what sin is capable of doing and what the evil one is capable of doing. And uh, we're reminded that we need you. We are are desperate for you, Lord. We are desperate for you um, in our country and around the world. And we want you to use our church. We want you to use churches like Genesis. And uh, we're surrounded by great churches here in Hamilton County that together we can serve the name of Jesus well and that people will find their way back to you. And ultimately, God, we recognize that it begins with with me. It begins in my heart. Like your work of redemption begins in my heart. It begins in our hearts, Lord. And so I pray that we would humble ourselves and recognize the need and the dependence that we have on you, and that as you're working through us, you can work through our church. And you can work in this country and in this world, again, to help people know Christ. And so we trust you. And Father, we thank you for your presence here today in our worship. And uh, we invite you into this time of teaching now just to guide and direct us to open up our minds and hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many of you know that we've been reading through the Bible uh, together as a church family this year and talking about it on Sundays, and if you're caught up in your Bible reading, well done. Like, good job. I mean, it's no easy task. Uh, if you've made it this far, keep going, keep moving on. If you fell off the wagon back somewhere in the book of Job, I get it. Like, it's hard, man. I mean, there are times where it's just a grind trying to get through it all, but if you fell away, jump back in. This is a good time to do it. Just take the next six months with this. Don't try and catch up, but just pick up where we are. Are, and if you need some help by identifying where we are, let me know. Uh, if you can't bring yourself to do it now... Here's something to look forward to. In August, we'll start reading the New Testament together, and so that'd be a great time to jump in and to read through uh, the New Testament with us. Why are we doing this? Well, as a church, we believe that there is no book that's more important uh, to you or to me, to our faith in the Bible. Uh, we believe the Bible is God's word for us. We believe it's His truth uh, for our lives, that it provides direction for us. Again, as a church and as followers of Jesus, Psalm 119, uh, verse 105 says this: That your Word is a lamp for my feet, and it's a light. For my path. And so the Bible points to Jesus. I mean, all of the Bible is about Jesus. The Bible uh, teaches us how to live like Jesus. And the good news is that it's very practical too, uh, that it has the ability to speak into all areas of our lives, like in the book of Proverbs here. And we've spent a little extra time uh, in the book of Proverbs if you have been following along because Proverbs offers wisdom in all sorts of areas of life and things like parenting and the schedule that we keep, the uh, how we act around others and even in the friends that we choose. And so, Proverbs also has a lot to say about money, all right? And uh, if you're surprised by that, like, oh, we're talking about money today. Yes, we're going to talk about money today a little bit. But specifically what the Proverbs have to say about money, again, because it talks about it on so many different occasions, and we all know that money is such a big part of our lives, and so I thought we'd take some time to explore what Proverbs has to say about money. Now, Solomon gets the credit for writing Proverbs. Uh, What does he know about money? Well, history records that he was one of the wealthiest people that ever lived. Uh, He's also known for his wisdom too. So why should any of us care what he has to say about money? Well, money's a big deal. Uh, We all know that money's a big deal. It impacts every single one of us in some way or another. Personally, I'd put money in the top three things that I worry about. I I worry about things like having enough to pay for college, enough to pay for medical bills, enough to provide for my family, enough to, to maybe slow down one day. And so I still worry about money. But can I tell you something? I don't worry about it nearly as much as I used to. And this is just an area where the Lord continues to grow me in my life. And, and what's made the difference for me? Well, a big part of that is 20 years ago, Jenny and I made the decision that we were going to manage our money according to the principles, many of them which we're going to see here in the book of Proverbs uh, this morning. And so maybe that's what you're doing too. And if you're doing that, you'll just see today as kind of a review or a fresher. For others of you, maybe you live by a different financial plan, but the truth is that it's not working for you. Uh, some of you here today, if you were honest, you'd express, you know, I'm, you're in a financial crisis uh, of sorts right now, and maybe need to do something different. And maybe, maybe you're just curious. What's the Bible have to say about it? What's Solomon have to say about it? What Jesus have to say uh, about money and the way we manage it? Now, I'll add, I am no financial advisor. I'm no financial expert at all. Many of you know much more about money and planning than I do. But what I want to do is I want to just show you some proverbs and what they have to say about money and our finances, again, the way that we manage it, and then it's up to you. Like, there's no hard push today. There's no sales pitch or anything like that. I just would encourage you to take some notes today and maybe do some work of your own to think about what these might mean for your life because the fact is that we're all managing money every single one of us whether we're intentional about it or not whether we have a little bit of it or have a lot of it because the reality is and i think we all know this on some level if you don't manage your money it will manage you all right if you don't find a way to lead it to manage it, it it will take hold it can easily take hold of all of our lives and impact us in so many different ways because think about it what causes more stress than money Uh, What causes more grief for people, for relationships, uh, than money? If you're single, chances are you think a lot about money. Uh, If you're married, you probably think a lot about finances. Most serious conflicts in marriage today have to do with money. One report suggests that 50% of divorces point to money as a major cause for the divorce. And so I don't need to tell you that money causes so much pain and stress, but I will tell you that it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to, like, like money was not intended. It, it's not intended to be the Lord of your life because God doesn't want you. He doesn't want you or me wasting our time or energy worrying about money. He invites us to trust him. And when he invites you to trust him, like he, he wants every part of who we are. Like, yes, he wants to be the Lord of our lives. He wants to give us salvation, all right? He, he, he wants to, to set eternity, you know, before us, but he wants to impact every area of our lives, including our finances, and he wants us to trust him, but that means managing money in a way that honors and acknowledges our dependence on him. And so, again, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about money. We're not gonna look at every verse, but I wanna give you a handful of them today. Let's begin with this one. In Proverbs 27, beginning in verse 20. 23, Solomon, really the Lord, says it like this, "...be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations." Now, in Solomon's day, everyone was a shepherd. I mean, everybody had livestock. And for those reasons, your flocks represented your assets. Your herds said a lot about the financial situation that you were in. And so what's Solomon trying to say here? He's basically saying that when it comes to money, it's important, it's wise to know what you have. Uh, You could say it's important to keep track of your finances, Uh, It's good to have goals. It's, It's good to know, you know, where your money is going. It's good to know what you have or don't have because if you don't, chances are you've got a problem or will eventually have a problem one day. Back in December, I put a new toilet in. All right, that's exciting. Getting a new toilet always exciting. Put a new toilet in our hallway restroom. Thought everything was great. Fast forward about six to eight weeks, I'm in washing my hands in the bathroom one day and I happened to look down on the floor and I noticed that when I pushed my foot on the laminate, I could see some water seep up through the cracks. We've got a problem. Come to find out I didn't get that wax ring seal on there, right? And so we had some water, just a little bit at a time, but it meant some money tearing up part of that floor, getting it cleaned up, doing it right. What's the point? Good to have a financial plan. It's good to know where things are going. It's important to take account of things. It's good to know what you owe and, again, where your money is going. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 16 says, Every wise person acts with good sense. Alright, wise person acts with good sense, but fools show how foolish they are. With that in mind, I want to highlight for you five principles, uh, at least five principles that I think we see here in the book of Proverbs. Let's call them five money principles that make good sense. You see what I did there? You see that sense? You know, we're talking about money today, and so I use the word sense. I told my wife about it the other day. She said, please don't do that. She said, like, that's really, really cheesy. But I'm going to go for it. I'm going for it. It's 4th of July weekend. Why not? Five money principles that make good sense. I think we see them here in the book of Proverbs. The first thing is this. It makes good sense to live on a budget. Makes good sense to do that, to have a financial plan, to operate by a monthly budget. Again, we looked at this verse a moment ago, Proverbs 27. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Having a plan involves knowing what you make. Uh, It it involves knowing what you owe, what you spend, and what you intend to give. A a budget, you could say, is telling your money where you want it to go instead of of wondering where it all went. I, I asked others on Facebook this past week, like, what are some of the benefits of having a budget? Got some replies like this. Living on a budget has helped us get out of debt and be better stewards of God's money. Uh, One person said, it's given us flexibility for one parent to work at home and one parent to stay at home with kids. Uh, Someone added just the, the peace of mind, you know, of knowing what we make and what we're spending each month. Fewer arguments. Uh, vacations paid for in advance. It's been about 12 years ago that Jenny and I went through, maybe with some of you, through Financial Peace University uh, here at Genesis. This is something that we offer regularly. We'll do it again uh, this year, and you'll have an opportunity to sign up for that. And uh, going through that, then we had to create a budget. And I'll just be honest. My first thought was, "Well, see you later, fun." Like fun's all gone because we're living on a budget now. But but honestly, it really was the opposite. You know, again, we started this 12. 12 years ago and what did a budget enable us to do? Well, it enabled us to give more. I mean, we've been able to do that as as we recognize where all our money is going and and apportion it appropriately. Um, it, It provided flexibility living that way for Jenny to stay home for many years and, and then make the decision when she wanted to go back uh, into her nursing career. It, we've been able to save for short-term and long-term needs. We've, we've been able to pay off all our debt. We are 100% debt-free uh, and a big part of that was establishing a budget and doing the work and I can't tell you about the freedom and peace of mind that has come through it as well. Now, sometimes the thought of putting a budget together can be a little intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, because there are many tools and resources out there today to help you build a budget. We've got great people in our church. If you need some help, people that I could introduce you to, that would be happy to sit down with you and, and do some planning. We'll, we'll offer FPU again this year, and maybe that's something that you might sign up for uh, and want to go through. Again, it can be very helpful. It's changed a lot of lives. Uh, including the lives of, of Matt and Jenna Flanagan. their family that's been here for a while now, and Matt serves on a worship team. Jenna uh, just joined our staff, and uh, they went through FPU a few years back. Uh, they just, in the last year, paid off all of their non-mortgage debt, and I was asking Jenna what made the difference, and she said having a plan. She said knowing what we were bringing in each month and then being able to tell it you know, where we wanted it to go. She said, we had no idea how much we were wasting. We were able to to get smarter and it brought a lot of peace of mind at the same time. Um, put your hand up if you've ever gone through FPU, by the way. How, how many? We've got some hands. All right, lots of people around the room. Again, it's, it can be so helpful. And if it's something that you're interested in, you know, mark it on your connection card or uh, let us know, info at genesischurch.me. And, again, this is something that we'll do, again, this this year. Proverbs twenty-one five says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to To poverty. Proverbs says that having a budget, living by a budget, it makes good sense. And if you'll do the work, you know, and stick to the plan, having a budget can yield greater peace and freedom uh, in your life. But here's something else that makes good sense. Number two, uh, it also makes good sense to avoid and eliminate debt. Uh, And so if you can do it, I'd say avoid debt. Uh, if, you, if you're in it, you should have a plan to get out of debt as soon as possible. Now, it's no sin to have a credit card. Uh, I don't believe it's a sin to have debt. I know many people who use cards responsibly. We, we all take on debt to, to purchase things like a home. If you own a business, chances are you've utilized something like a, a line of credit to take some new ground with your company, churches have used debt uh, as a way of funding new ministry initiatives. And so it's fair to say then debt can be managed responsibly, but I think we all know the dangers of debt too and what it's capable of. Like we, we all know people today who are struggling, drowning in debt. Some of you today. You know if you're honest you would say you know i'm overwhelmed by the amount of debt we have right now whether it be credit card or mortgage or medical bills or school loan debt like it's no coincidence that uh the debt's a four-letter word you know when you think about it like it it just it it kind of does that to us i mean we 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 hear about it all the time you know in the political world too and the the situation that our country's in it's caused so much misery and stress for people i mean is it any wonder that Solomon says in Proverbs 22, verse 7, that the rich rule over the poor, the borrower is slave to the lender. Uh, Dave Ramsey points to things like out-of-control spending, discontentment, and debt, and how it's hurting so many people, so many relationships and families today. According to bankrate.com, the average American carries over $90,000 of debt right now, almost $7,000 in credit card debt alone. Uh, school loans are frightening. According to one report, 33 million people owe $1.7 trillion in student, let, don't lo, student loan debt today. That's, that's, that's somewhere around $37,000 in student, let per, per student loan per student. And, um, and, and I, I want to say this. I don't want to give the impression that debt is always the result of poor choices either um, because some of you have really painful stories of circumstances that you couldn't avoid, whether it be a a painful medical situation, medical bills or other unfortunate circumstances that have contributed to where you are today. But regardless, the fact is that debt has the potential of ruining, ruining us, ruining people, ruining relationships. Uh, it prevents people, it prevents us from taking the next big step with God. I mean, sometimes it's the money that's holding us back. And so there's a reason that Solomon describes it as being indebted uh, as, the sl- as a slave to the lender. Because like, when you're in debt, there's this feeling of being stuck, of being trapped with no place to go. I guess you could say you're at least limited to some degree. And so, if you're in debt, no matter how much or how little you have, I want to encourage you, to have a plan, uh, to come up with a plan to get out of debt as soon as you can. How many of you recognize the name or the picture of this guy, Aaron Ralston? He, uh, and, and right away, you probably noticed that he's got the prosthetic arm. And if you're wondering, how did he get a prosthetic arm? Well, he cut his arm off. Uh, This is true. If you've never heard this story before, he was uh, hiking in the Utah wilderness, like way wilderness. Nobody knew where he was. Hiking in some narrows. Uh, He got a a rock slipped, a boulder. A a boulder slipped. His arm got stuck for something like 127 hours. They made a movie out of it, by the way. Um, But uh, he had a decision to make big decision to make, and I got to hear him speak about 10 years ago he came to Indianapolis for a fundraising event and uh, he told his story and walked through all of the details. It made you cringe in your seat, but ultimately he had to make a decision 127 hours in. I either die right here or I do something drastic and try and free myself. And so he cut his arm off. Uh, And did it require some pain and discomfort? You could say that, right? Yeah, there was some pain and discomfort in that. Choosing to get out of debt is going to require some pain and discomfort. I mean, you're going to have to do some things that are going to hurt. It's going to take some time, but it's worth it. It can be worth it, and it's going to take a plan, and again, it's going to take hard work, but most importantly, in many situations, but really for all of us, it's going to take the Lord's help too. Uh, It's going to take his help. And I don't know your financial situation right now. And maybe for some of you, it seems and feels like an impossibility. Can I just remind you today that there is nothing impossible for our God. Uh, And just as he cares about every area of our life and he cares about our salvation and he cares about the decisions that we make each and every day, he cares about the things that we care about and he cares about our worries and he doesn't want you trusting in anything more than you trust with him. And I believe that if we let him and if we trust him, that he can help us get out of the situation that we're in. And so it makes good sense to trust the Lord, and it makes good sense to avoid and eliminate debt. But here's something else that makes good sense. Number three, and that is to save for the future. Uh, that savings is wise. It makes sense. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Jenny and I sat down with a financial advisor right after we were married, and he had all of these ideas about what we should do to save our money. I was a little reluctant at first, but I'm thankful that Jenny wouldn't let us put it off, and so we got to work. And I'm so grateful that we started planning and saving for the future when we did. Uh, It's good. It's good and wise to save and to plan, to set money aside, again, for short-term and for long-term things. And so, it, it can be wise to save in something like a 401k, to utilize Roth IRAs and other savings vehicles. If, if you have an HSA, that's a great way to set money aside for medical expenses. Uh, it's important to have an emergency fund. Uh, Why do you want to have an emergency fund? Because things are going to break, right? I mean, the AC is going to stop working at some point. The transmission is going to go out. Like you and I, we're going to have emergencies. Solomon said the wise store up. They store up choice food and oil, but fools gulp theirs down. In other words, don't just blow through all that you have every month, but have a plan, Uh, pay your bills, save even a, a little bit at a time, for the future. Jesus once told a story, you probably have heard this parable before, of the wise man and the foolish man. If you've been around church at all, you used to sing the song about the wise man and the foolish man. But the wise man builds his house on the rock, the foolish man builds his house on the sand. Why is one wise and the other foolish? Well, Jesus knew a storm was going to come. And when that storm comes, the one who builds their house on the rock is gonna have a better chance of their house standing. Now, of course, Jesus was talking about life and salvation and ultimately where we put our hope. But the same parable, I think, works for our financial standing too, that when it comes to money, it's wise to have a plan, to build a foundation uh, in your life. It makes good sense to have a budget, to know where your money is going, to save for short-term and long-term needs. But in order to save well, We've all got to get better at this next principle, me included, and it's number four, and that's to enjoy what you have. And if I had to pick one word to sum this up here, we're, just, we're talking about the word contentment. It's learning to be content. And Proverbs twenty-one seventeen says, Whoever loves pleasure will become poor, and whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Let me be real with you for just a moment. We're great at violating this principle here in Hamilton County. We just are. We're just really good at this. Like we're all suckers, right, for the trap that bigger is always better, Uh, that many of us are chasing after more all the time. We need the newest piece of equipment. We need another acre or two. The other travel team would be a better option. Our garages aren't big enough, so we have to rent space off-site to store all of our things And more than that, we're not happy. Uh, we're, We're lousy at contentment. We buy the lie that says, if I get this, then I'll finally be satisfied. And it's not true because if it were true, the richest people would be the most satisfied in the world today, and they're not. And we're not. We're not happy. We're not content. We're always wanting more. Uh, The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, says this about contentment keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. You know, sometimes we're so busy chasing after more that we overlook what we've already been given. Like we, we don't appreciate the shelter that God has provided for us. We, we disregard the people that God is putting into our lives. We, we don't feel like we ever have enough money, but we, are we really managing our money in a way that demonstrates our love and trust for God? Genesis, some of you have no idea the peace and freedom You would experience in your life if you could simply learn to be content with what you have with everything that god has given you and the bible says that we should learn contentment and keep learning contentment but where does that start this is where i think it starts that we learn contentment the more we learn to abide in jesus the more we learn to trust jesus and to abide in jesus means to be relationally connected to him each day because Jesus desires to give us life, you know. He wants to be in an intimate uh, relationship with each and every one of us, one where He speaks into our lives, one where He gives us wisdom and direction regularly, one where we're reminded of our purpose and our identity in Him. It's through our relationship with Jesus an abiding relationship with him, that we are, that we can, uh, we can be satisfied, that we can discover that in him. It's through Jesus that we discover things like contentment. And do you know what else? Like the more we go looking for our satisfaction in Jesus, the more he has the power to impact every area of our lives. And so how content are you right now Are you you finding peace and satisfaction in Jesus, or are you chasing after things that will never do for you what only Jesus was ever intended to do? Friends, some of you here need to get on a budget and you need to do it as soon as possible. So many more of us need to get right with Jesus first. Like, that's where it begins. He is everything that we need. He is our source of satisfaction, and trusting him makes good sense for every area of our lives but also in our money too. And so again, you can learn uh, each of these. You and I, we can put these things at practice. Thinking about a plan, thinking about debt, thinking about saving for the future. FPU again, we'll offer that. If that's something that you're interested in, let us know. But here's one last thing when it comes to you and money and the ma- way you manage it, and that is to make sure that your financial plan also offers or means giving, uh, giving back to God first. Uh, giving back to God first. We, we tend to give when it's easy. Uh, we tend to give when it's convenient or maybe disregard giving altogether. Solomon says this about our giving in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, when he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. With, uh, note this word. This is an important one, first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Most of the time, we don't give back to God first. All right, we'll give, but we haven't made it a practice to give first. Most of us, we pay all of the bills and then we give back to God, maybe if there are any leftovers. But again, notice the emphasis on the word first fruits because all through the Bible, God's people were instructed to bring their first fruits back to God. And that means giving back to God before anything else. Fast forward today, that means the first thing you do when you get paid is you give back to God before you pay the rent, before you pay AT&T, before you pay the Disney Plus bill, you're returning, you're giving back to God. And because giving back to God first is one of the ways that we acknowledge His authority in our lives. Uh, Giving back to God first is one of the ways that we celebrate his provision and blessing. It's also one of the ways that we're reminded of the part that we play in helping others find their way back to God in this world. Jenny and I started giving 20 years ago. Uh, It took a while, I think, before we maybe got into the mindset of giving back to God first. But as far as giving back to something like our church, I mean, we literally 20 years ago went from not giving to giving the very next week. And since then, it's become a regular part of our lives. It's the way that we live each and every month that we are giving back to God. And for us, we started at 10%. And I think the Bible has a lot to say about 10%. I think it's a great starting place or at least a short-term goal when it comes to getting started in your giving. But we also know that generosity means everything belongs to the Lord. So it's all on the table. And so like many of you, we've grown in our giving over the years. And with our greater initiative, we took an even bolder step in in giving back to the Lord. Again, like many of you did, giving... Giving back to the Lord is one of the most important things that we do. It's one of the greatest things that we've learned over the years. It's been hard at times. It was hard early on, especially as we were getting started in it, but I will say this. uh, Even with FPU, even with the financial planning, even with the good or wise things that we've done that have covered up the dumb things that we've done over the years, so I had to point to one thing that I would say, hey, I think that maybe made all of the difference. It was the decision to start giving and really begin to retrain our minds and thinking this is all from the Lord. It belongs to him. And we are just simply returning to him a portion that already belongs to him, but it's all his. And so I wanna honor God in the way that I live. I know that's what many of you want as well. I want his provision in my life and his blessing. Again, I also wanna be a part of his redemptive work in this world. And again, I know that's the same for many of you. In fact, I just want you to know today, if you're new, this is a generous church. We talk about generosity a lot. There are a number of people that you're sitting around right now that we've all been growing in generosity together. And with that, I want to say thank you. Uh, Thank you, Genesis, for all that you do and for all that you give and for the way that you trust. This past week, we sent out mid-year giving statements uh, by email to everyone. And if you should have gotten one of those and didn't, you need to let us know. Uh, But it's just an update for you, for your planning on your giving for this year. We had something like 340 families or individuals give through Genesis Church in the first six months of this year. And because of your giving, we get to do things like this. We get to pay the lease on this facility and the facility. Facility that we use for our Carmel campus as well. You make that happen. We can't do that without you. We pay 15,000 dollars a month to be in this facility, just to give you some perspective uh, of what your giving goes towards. You're your giving pays for utilities and maintenance for our buildings. You're your giving pays for salaries for our staff team. It pays for supplies for our Gen kids ministry, scholarships for various events that we send our, our students and, and kids to. And this is where it gets really fun because of your giving. Again, this is just the first six months of this year. We've already given away $187,000. All right, this year alone, uh, isn't that cool? Uh, It doesn't happen without you, but that's money invested in local ministries. That's money invested in in ministries around the world. And again, that's just the first six months of this year. Because of your giving, we have no debt as a church. We are completely debt-free. And that's awesome. We're grateful for that. Because as we pray about the future, it provides us a lot of flexibility and really opening ourselves up to what the Lord wants to do next. Uh, because if you're giving over the past 15 months, okay, this is 15 months now since Greater started, we've been able to set aside $1.6 million to help relocate our Noblesville campus. Again, we're in a lease here. We feel like our time has come to an end, all right? It's been a great location, but there are a lot of challenges, challenges like semi-trailers in your parking lot on a Sunday morning which we knew about for today and we're being gracious as they're putting a new lot in behind the building here but we also know that Pleasant Street's going to change. It's going to eat up some parking and so we've recognized that God is getting us ready. Now we don't know where we're going yet. all right? But He is preparing us for what's next I need to ask you to up your prayer game with me all right we need to keep praying Lord where are you sending us where do you want us to go next and so we keep praying about that there are some options but we're trusting the Lord in that we're also going to put some of these dollars to use at our Carmel campus we're starting some renovation projects over there this week that are going to be very exciting we're looking forward to that again none of it happens though without your giving uh, but what more could we do if we all join together Uh, Why why do I want you to learn the practice, the discipline of giving? It'll change your life. Uh, You are sitting around people right now who could tell you their stories of how their life has been changed and learning to trust God in this way. Uh, Start giving, incorporate principles like we've talked about today. You're gonna position yourself to be used by God and provided for in ways that you've never experienced. And you know what else? I think that generosity is, through the church of Jesus Christ right now, including Genesis, has the potential to get an unbelieving world's attention. Because the more we give, the more we demonstrate generosity, like the more we look like God and with the Lord's help, like we can help even more people know the power and the love of Jesus Christ. And so quick wrap and then we'll close. Five principles that make good sense. I like it. you like, I I think it's good. I think it works, all right? Makes good sense. Uh, Live on a budget. Avoid and eliminate debt. Save for the future. Enjoy what you have. Give first to God. Maybe you took some notes today, wrote some of these verses down. You spend some time with them. Like you you decide for yourself uh, maybe what God wants to do with these and you. Uh, I'll wrap with this. Jesus also had a lot to say about money. And Matthew chapter 6 is a great chapter if you want to do some study and reflection on your own this week where he talks about spending and saving, where you put your hope and faith, how quickly worry consumes us, uh, how, how he reminds us that we don't have to worry, we don't have to live in fear. And Jesus reminds us of the importance in everything that we do of seeking him first. Look at these words in Matthew 6, But Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom are you doing that with your finances could somebody look at your account registry and say and see that evidence in you are you seeking jesus first in all things let me pray god we thank you for your love and grace uh, for the life that you've given us through your son jesus Um, we thank you lord for your word that's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path And we thank you that you are a very personal God that cares about the details and circumstances of life that sometimes we overthink and worry too much about. But we thank you that in your grace, you care about these things too. And that you care about the way that money impacts us and the way that we manage it. And so we're asking for your help and for your direction And some here today that are really feeling the burden and the weight of it all, Lord, I pray that today they might take a step of faith with you and that you help them. Help them take that step, Lord, to trust you even more. And, Father, that for each of us you will just continue to provide for all of our needs. Um, We want to give and give faithfully, and we want to be good stewards of the resources you've trusted to us and to our church. And so continue to lead and guide us, continue to lead this campus as we think about the future, Lord. We know that you have a location or a building in mind uh, and we are trusting you with that and in just the right time. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.